Every year, the season of Lent is set aside for people of faith to be this time for us to kind of do a check-in with our faith. And I have always really appreciated this time. It's been an interruption in the course of the year, but it's been this opportunity for me to say, has my faith become lackadaisical in any And so this is an interruption that I honestly usually appreciate and look forward to. But then this year, as our staff was doing the planning, talking about this particular season of Lent, it became clear that all of us, we were already in the midst of great interruption. And then the storms happened a few weeks ago, and our situations just seemed to get exacerbated and be more upsetting. As Claire said last week in her sermon, we have found ourselves in a mess within a mess. I didn't think it was possible, but we have actually had our interrupted lives interrupted. And just being honest, I'm not really that excited about having to interrupt my interrupted life with the season of Lent this year. Do I even have the energy to consider asking, what is God doing in the midst of my interrupted life? I was reminded so clearly again and again this past week that in those times when I am done, when my energy level is done, that that is sometimes when God is most present. As Stacy said in her sermon on Ash Wednesday, God can do God's best work during interruptions. And so, friends, we are going to trust that even now, in the midst of our messy, interrupted lives, that there is opportunity for beautiful encounters with God. All of our texts during Lent on Sunday mornings will come from Luke's gospel. And today we will read the story of Jesus at a dinner party. We're going to hear of two people that are at the dinner party, both interrupted by Jesus, but how both of them choose to react to this interruption in very different ways. As we prepare to hear God's word, will you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, thank you for centering us to listen, to be filled with your peace this day. And God, as we read this ancient story, may it connect to our lives, giving us courage and hope to grow and be transformed in this season. Pray this in Christ's name, amen. Hear now the word of our Lord. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city, who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind Jesus at his feet, weeping, and she began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw it, he said to himself, 
If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is a story filled with interruptions. This is how I picture this first century dinner party going down at Simon the Pharisee's house. Jesus has been traveling all through the region of Galilee. It's about 100 miles north of the city of Jerusalem. He's going through various towns in this area and he's healing people and he's teaching. And there are so many people who have heard word of mouth about this healer and teacher Jesus and they are hoping that he is going to interrupt their life. They are hoping that their village will be one that he decides to stop in. Especially the Pharisees are wanting this. They're wanting an interruption that might have the possibility to build them up, to give them esteem or maybe an inside scoop on this person that is causing trouble. You see, Jerusalem, 100 miles south, is where the uber-religious Pharisees are. But maybe these northern Pharisees, maybe they might be able to learn something that they can pass on to their superiors. So we know from the verses before our text that Jesus is in a city called Nain, and he has just done an amazing miracle. A widow's only son has died, and Jesus raises this man from the dead. I guess it's time to figure out dinner. And so one of the people that's in this large crowd, Simon, the Pharisee, says, hey, Rabbi, you got any plans for dinner? And before they knew it, it's an impromptu dinner party. It seems, though, that the dinner party is impromptu. Just a response to Jesus being there. 
At first reading, it might appear like what many of us experienced two weeks ago. You were making chili or soup or spaghetti, and you made too much for your family, so you decided to offer it to the neighbors, and before you knew it, you had a potluck dinner for 15 in your living room. Neighbors just sharing in fellowship and connection. Keep in mind, friends, the writer of this gospel is Luke, and he's so detailed. And here, Luke is intentionally very brief. The text is very clear about the order of events. Simon invited Jesus to dinner at his house. And the scripture reads that Jesus entered the house and took his place at the table. Jesus walks in, he finds a spot, he lays down on his side, his legs are out to the side as tradition, and he reclines. Notice that all of that action is described in so few words. You see, if the story stopped here, a first century listener would have realized there was a lot that was missing. When you had a guest in your home, especially if you were a law-abiding Pharisee, purity was essential. You would have greeted the person with a kiss and you would have offered them water to cleanse their hands and feet. It was a sign of hospitality. It was a sign of purity. None of that happened in this story. Then suddenly the focus of the story shifts abruptly. All of a sudden this random woman, she interrupts the dinner. No name is given to her, just the descriptor, a sinner. And she's standing behind the feet of Jesus, but she's not just standing there. We get more detail. She's weeping and she's not just weeping. She's weeping so much that her tears can actually wash the feet of Jesus. She cries over the feet of Jesus and she washes his feet with those tears. And then after she washes those feet, she uses her hair and dries his feet. And then she takes this jar of ointment and she begins to rub precious oil, anointing Jesus's feet. And then the story shifts quickly again. Simon, the host, he sees what is going on in his very home. He's not upset doing it. I, I imagine he's probably embarrassed at first because he's just realized, whoops, I forgot to do that. I've messed up. And like many of us, when we have messed up, what do we do? We tend to find fault in others. And so he begins to think, why would a rabbi like this let a woman like that touch him? And so Simon finds himself upset in his seat of judgment. This is where I got caught. This is the point of the story where I got caught. I'd always wanted to be like the woman. And then I noticed something this time I had never noticed before at this point. You see, what happens next is not that the Pharisee says something ugly to the woman. The text reads, now when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, the Pharisee said to himself, not to the whole room, not loud enough for anyone else to hear what he was thinking, and yet Jesus knew. And so Jesus speaks up, Simon, 
I have something to say to you. I imagine at this point, Simon gets this like jolt of adrenaline. He's so pumped that his thoughts, those things that he was just thinking about this woman, about how awful she is, they're going to be confirmed by the great teacher. And his judgment is not only confirmed, but maybe it will be affirmed in front of others, making him esteemed. And so Simon says, speak. And like the all wise and wonderfully masterful Jesus, our Lord tells a tiny little parable about two people. They both owe debts to the same person. One who owns a debt and one who owns 10 times that debt. So I want you to picture owning, owing a $1,000 car loan debt and a 100000 college loan debt. Neither could pay it, the parable says. And then the creditor, for no reason whatsoever, cancels the debt of both. And Jesus says, Simon, which of the two will love the creditor more? What an interesting question. Not who will feel loved more, but who will demonstrate love. And so Simon answers, well, I suppose the one who owed more. Then notice the words that Jesus uses back to Simon. He says, you judge correctly. You see, both Simon and this woman were interrupted by Jesus' visit to their village. For Simon, it seems the interruption of Jesus was not about tuning in to Jesus, but rather about having a connection to kind of like the hottest trend of the time. It's like having music playing at your house when you have people over and someone says, what are you listening to? And you have no idea. It was just on and that's what you're supposed to do. Have you ever finished worship and realized you weren't really there, even though you were there the whole time? You did it because that's what you're supposed to do or your spouse said, this is what we're doing on Sundays. But especially now, I mean, you're in your PJs. You've got your coffee. You maybe got a little puppy on your lap. It's that much more difficult to tune in fully. I've noticed, y'all, in my prayer time at night, I just didn't get around to doing it during the day. And for some reason, the next thing I know, I'm waking up the next morning and I don't really remember how much of my list I got through. I've so often wanted it to be the woman who sees this interruption as a time to just be with Jesus. But I think too often I'm like, Simon, I checked the box off. Jesus is in the house, but oh, I am so distracted by all the other things that other people will see. I'm so concerned about making sure to point out the faults of what other people are doing wrong to make myself feel better. So I wonder, friends, are we doing this journey of faith thing tuned into Jesus? Are we just letting our faith be background noise? in our lives. 
For the woman in this story, the interruption of Jesus, it created a totally different space for her. She chose to tune into the one whose very presence brought her to tears and offered her grace and forgiveness even before Jesus spoke a single word to her. She sits at Jesus's feet and with her tears, she confesses her sin. And then with her hair, she repents and she wipes away the dirt in her life. And then with the oil, she honors this Lord. Sits at his feet, confesses her sin, repents of that sin, and then honors our Lord. Totally tuned in to Jesus. May it be so in my life and in yours. Amen.